My name is Kyle Millis. I'm a senior on the men's swim team here at Cal. Um, I'm also a captain of the swim team, but you might know me because I'm a content creator on YouTube. Oh, the camera is not going to show this, but you're 6'6". <laughs> I love basketball, honestly, way more than swimming. I'm sorry, coach. So I swam JV swimming my freshman year of high school. I was a bench warmer, honestly, on basketball. Like From the hours of like 3 p.m. to like 8 p.m., I was swimming or working out in the gym. And it just, like, it was really a mentality shift, I guess you would say. It's weird. It's the first invitation I've made yeah. through LinkedIn, but hey, LinkedIn is there. Uh and that one took off and got... 200,000 views so after that getting 1% better each time getting 1% better at editing videos getting 1% better in the pool getting 1% better at each practice will make 100% better by the end of the year you know my purpose in life is to leave my dent in the universe in absolutely everything I do as well as to inspire and help others do the same for someone to leave their dent in my life is a privilege for me to leave my dent in someone else's life is an honor, but to inspire and help others leave their own dent in the universe is an indescribable feeling. I plan on doing this through this podcast by celebrating my guests and inspiring my listeners, all while leaving my own dent in the universe and helping others do the same. My name is Fer Andrade, and this is Denting. Hello everyone and welcome back to another episode of Denting. Today I have a very special guest, someone I don't have the pleasure of knowing, but that I feel like I know through your content. Kyle Millis, how are you? I'm doing great. Thanks for having me on. Of course. Um, so do you want to introduce yourself for those that may yeah. not know you? For sure. My name is Kyle Millis. I'm a senior on the men's swim team here at Cal. Um, I'm also a captain of the swim team. Um, I'm originally from the Bay Area, currently live up in Seattle, Washington now, and I'm a backstroker. But you might know me because I'm a content creator on YouTube. Yeah, yeah. And I mean, I don't want to push the swimming aside, especially how it ties into the content, but I'm a big fan of, of your content. Um, Appreciate I, it. I really like the, the vlogs you've been up to. And yeah, I, I want to touch base on that. But before we even get into that, let's touch base on what it was like during your high school years get, getting up to this. So mm -hmm. I know from your vlogs that you didn't start swimming until like eight years ago, right? Yeah, uh, my freshman year of high school, yeah, eight years ago now. Okay, so what was your childhood like? You played basketball, you said. Mm -hmm. I, I've had to say this with the, you're the third swimmer I've had here now, uh, men's swimmer that I've had here now. Um, and all three of you are tall, so the camera is not gonna show this, but you're 6'6", <laughs> six, six, yeah. right? Um, so. Yeah, the, the camera is going to seem like we're the same height. We're definitely not the same height. <laughs> but yeah, you played basketball, right? Yeah, it just so happens to be that one of the natural traits of being a swimmer is that most likely you're on the taller end of things. And that bodes well for all other sports pretty much as well. Um, basketball especially. Played basketball growing up. I started playing at four. Uh, my dad was my coach most of my career. And uh, yeah, it, it was really fun. I love basketball, honestly, way more than swimming. I'm sorry, coach, but uh, basketball is just, it's just like my outlet. Like you can go and play basketball for like four hours. I feel like um, if I were to go swim for four hours, that would just, uh, that would not be as fun. Yeah, that's a lot of, I feel like the fitness is just different, right? Yeah, because I feel like if I'm in the pool, like I'm going to go all out if I'm going to be there for four hours, but I don't know. You can just hang out in basketball. I love it way more. But um, yeah, swimming just really stuck for me. Um, and I started swimming my... I, I swam... I always had a pool in my backyard, so I knew how to swim from a very young age, and I was always really competitive. 
Um, but I was never on a swim team, I guess, until like eighth grade, right before high school. Um, and I was on like a summer league swim team and uh, kind of went from summer league, progressed into club swimming, and then club swimming really just took off. And now here I am. Why did you get into that summer league team? Uh, I was moving back from, I, I moved to Arkansas. Okay. So I swam a little bit while I was in Arkansas. And when I moved back from Arkansas, um, I was like, I got to meet, I got to meet some new friends, kids that are my age that aren't like going to be going to my high school. I don't know why. I just really wanted to meet some more friends. And, uh, I, I was decently good at swimming and I was just like, huh, might as well. Um, I wasn't doing a sport at the time. I mean, basketball in California is like a winter sport. So I'd be finishing right about now. And, uh, it's like, I might as well try swimming. So I tried swimming just cause I've always had a pool in my backyard, like I said, and, uh, it worked out. I, I was supposed to be on the varsity team, but the coach was like, all right, do you want to be on varsity? I was like, no, can I be on JV? All my friends are on JV. So I swam JV swimming my freshman year of high school. And then I moved up to Washington following my freshman year of high school. And uh, I was like, all right, I either have, my dad was basically like, all right, sophomore year of high school, if you want to compete in either of these sports at the division one level, you have to make a choice on what you want to do. And I was like coming off being a summer league swimming champion. And I was like, I'm gonna go. With, I'm gonna go with swimming. Uh, I was a bench warmer, honestly, on basketball. Like I was playing behind. Uh, do you know the Eagles tight end? Or for, sorry, former Eagles tight end uh, in American football. Uh, he's now the Cardinals tight end, Zach Ertz. Okay. Yeah. 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 His wow. little brother was starting above me, so oh, uh, he's actually a pitcher for. Uh, University of Pacific, I believe, for baseball now. Nice. But basically, uh, you know, his 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 brother was six nine his freshman year. I think I was six two or something like that. I mean, he's an absolute beast. You just lob him in the post, and he's going to score every point. So basically, uh, I didn't get to play much, and I was like, you know, I might try my uh, try my cards at swimming. I guess that's so interesting. So you got into it because of your friends at first, yeah, and then you just took a bet to to chase that D1 dream pretty much. Yeah, pretty much. Both my cousins before me had played Division One volleyball, okay. and I was the third oldest cousin, and they were like, are you going to continue the legacy? Um, so, yeah. Did you consider volleyball with your height or no? There wasn't a lot of whole, like, men's club volleyball around, but yeah. Okay, nice, nice, nice. Um, and, I mean, you talked about that moment when, when you had to choose, um, which I can somewhat relate to. Like, at one point, my dad also, like, sat me down early in high school and he's like, you know what, like you can choose to do whatever you want to do, but if you're going to chase mm-hmm. something greater, you have to like, take it a bit more seriously. And, yeah. and I think we all have that moment when we have to realize it, but you went from being with your friends, choosing JV instead of varsity. Yeah. When did, when, when was the moment that everything changed? Because I mean, one thing is to swim D1, and another thing is to swim at a program like Cal Swimming, right? Like, that's Mm -hmm. just a different level, and you talk about it a lot on your vlog. So how was that transition, and when did you you commit, and what was that process like? Um, Yeah, so it didn't take place for probably about another year. Like, I I joined a club swim team up in Washington, and I really wasn't committed to it. Like, I I was still considering playing basketball, um, and I don't think it was until... Um, like the spring or summer of my sophomore year going into junior year that I switched club teams and I started taking it seriously. Like a coach finally believed in me and I kind of believed in him. He was a, I'm a backstroker and he was a Canadian Olympian backstroker. Like he made the semifinals at the Olympics and I was like, he swam at the University of Texas, which was our biggest competition. And uh, I was like, okay, this guy is legit. Like this is someone who could really guide me in uh, my swimming career. 
And then he left me four months later, and I got another coach who ended up being the best coach of my life, honestly. I'd say uh, he got me to where I am today. So, yeah. That's awesome. And and when was it that you ended up committing? Like, at what yeah, point? Yeah, sorry. That that summer, I guess you would summer. say. Okay. And that was your junior year, you Going said? into my junior year. Going in. Oh, okay. So, you knew for a while. Yeah. Um, What changed after that? Did anything change in your focus or not really? Yeah, for sure. My focus really changed, I'd say. Um, I really was... I don't know how to even describe it, but basically, like, I was 100% locked in on swimming. I'd go to school, get my schoolwork done, but from the hours of, like, 3 p.m. to, like, 8 p.m., I was swimming or working out in the gym, and it just, like, it was really a mentality shift, I guess you would say. Yeah. Um, and, yeah, and really, I'd started to see it in the times, you know? Soccer is a team-based sport. It's all about points, but in swimming or track, uh, it's all about the times, and so once you see those times start dropping... Then you start having the phone ringing and uh, people are asking like, hey, are you interested in swimming in college? It's fun though. Yeah. I mean, I've, I've mentioned that a lot too. And it's it's part of, I yeah, I don't think I've told you on the podcast we were talking about it before, but it's part of why I've become a fan of just swimming. You know, I've, I've been a fan of track for a few years now. I mm-hmm. ran tra- track just once my freshman year of high school. But since then, I've like had a lot of respect for it because like you said, I'm used to playing soccer my entire life. Yeah. And that's a team sport. Um, the result is very objective, but what happens during the 90 minutes is quite subjective, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and I like how objective the times are. Yeah. It's, it's black and white, you know? Um, and, and that's something I, I really like. So, yeah, that makes sense with, with your times. Throughout that time, where was the content? I know it's a bit more recent here in, with your YouTube channel, but did you have any any hobbies that related to what you're doing right now or any interest at all? I don't really think so. I'm not a shy person in nature, but like sharing myself with the world, I guess like um, I never really thought about, um, I guess, kind of sharing my story. Um, I didn't think anyone really want to hear about it. Like I'm, I swim at Cal, like that's, that's really cool, but um, I'm not one of the fastest swimmers on the team by any stretch of the means. Um, But I guess I didn't see that. And I didn't see that um, there's probably hundreds of little kids out there that want to hear about Cal soccer, want to hear about Cal swimming. Um, and I guess I really didn't realize that. And so going into last year, um, I was really inspired during the pandemic, I guess. Um, I don't know if you ever watch any like financial literacy YouTube at all, but I'm like addicted to that. So I had a couple like uh, huge uh, mentors in that space that I really loved. And uh, I was like, fine, I'm going to do a financial literally ri- literacy YouTube channel. I had started a club here at Cal, uh, Student Athlete Financial Education. And I was like, I'm going to I'm going to continue my passion, share it with the world. And I'm going to do best stocks for college students. Completely flopped. Um, I went on with that for like four months. And it wasn't until uh, November of this year that I started making like, or sorry, uh, it must have been this summer that I started making like content around student athletes and stuff like that and that started really gaining traction yeah it, i mean it was the summer because that was your olympic trial video right yes yeah. yes that really took off for me so yeah yeah no that's awesome like you you asked me again before we started the podcast um what like how i got into this and it was same during the pandemic you know yeah uh, so pandemic hit for me uh second semester of my freshman. time here at cal yeah. so i was a freshman yeah I was a freshman and I didn't have a great experience um, that first semester and a half. Mm -hmm. Um, We come in 
straight into season for us. So that's different, oh, yeah. right? So we come in in July for captain's practice, and in August it's preseason straight to season. Wow! And that's my entire semester. Um, it wasn't. It was a good experience now that I look back at it, but in the moment it just wasn't a lot of fun for me. Yeah. Um, and that happened. I get sent back home, and I met up with someone that is now a mentor and a co-founder um, in a project that we have. And she really helped me get into content and just like spread a good positive message. And I was like, oh, this is cool. Then I started listening to podcasts and I was like, wow, like, yeah, this is a great way to meet people. And I don't really know people here at Cal, but mm-hmm. I, there's a lot of people that I really want to meet. There's something about me that just likes to understand the way people work and I mean, we, we've talked, it's weird. It's the first invitation I've made yeah. through LinkedIn, but hey, LinkedIn is there. Um, but I could have said, you know what, let's meet for coffee or lunch or, or whatever. But once you say like a podcast, it's like, I don't know. I think it makes it easier to, to reach out to people and to be taken a bit more seriously. For and, sure. Yeah, no, that, that's that's why I started it to answer. That's really cool. Question, that's but. a good way of, you know, meeting more people. I love that. Yeah, and it's interesting that it happened I mentioned it because it's interesting that it was during the pandemic for you because it was the exact same thing for me, you know? I had, like, that fire, I guess, during the pandemic of, like, maybe I should do this. Like, I, I see people on YouTube making, like, thousands and millions of dollars. That's not what I, I wanted to get into it for. I wanted to get into it for, like, just kind of sharing my experiences. If there's someone out there that wants to hear, like, about my experiences, I think that'd be really cool to share with them. And I, I, I love what you're doing with the podcast. Thank you. Thank you. I mean, you, you mentioned the the amounts that people are making right now and obviously well at least for me it's not really a goal but for you like what drives this at this point like obviously the the pandemic installed this fire in you but what is your your purpose behind sharing i think my purpose um behind sharing is kind of just to inspire the next generation of swimmers um i always i always have a i always have a love for the sport that i'm in Um, and I don't know whether it was basketball back then or swimming now, I always want to like kind of create a culture of like success. Like when I played basketball, I had like a neighborhood basketball camp and if swimming, if this is going to be kind of my legacy in swimming is creating these videos, um, which I still plan to do. I I'm retired now. Um, but I'm still planning on making swimming related content and just, you know, kind of leveraging the platform that we have here at Cal. Like you said, we have plenty of cool, amazing people that you just really want to meet. I just want to share everyone on the Cal men's swim team's crazy cool experiences, whether it be, you know, talking with Reese or something about his crazy experiences being the Sports Illustrated Kid of the Year in high school or meeting with some of our other Olympians and talking about the Olympics. Stuff like that is probably really interesting for a lot of people. I yeah. know my, for myself especially. Yeah, it's super interesting. Shout out, Reese. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but, but yeah, it's, it's so interesting because, like... There's so many amazing people here at Cal, and I think that we take it for granted, mm-hmm. you know? And for, sure. for me, um, again, personally, I'm not someone that, like, goes out a lot. I'm not shy, but it's just not who I am, really. This is my way of socializing and getting to know people. Like, this is a lot of fun for me, and it's just having these meaningful conversations, and that's why I do it, you know? I think mm-hmm. that, I mean... I'll continue to to learn from you and your strategy, and I'll ask you in a bit. But the numbers for me, like, I I don't know. I mean, I'd love for them to be higher, yes, but I don't really care about that, you know, because what I value the most is this part right here. Yeah. And it's it's that purpose, and I feel like 
I've seen a lot of people in the pandemic try something, but when they lack the purpose, mm-hmm. it just died. And those that have the purpose just have fun with it. And whatever happens will happen. But the, the key takeaways are, are there. And I think that that's the most important part. Yeah. I always try to approach everything with like an entrepreneurial mindset, I guess you would say. I've had way too many entrepreneurial endeavor, endeavors throughout my life uh, from, you know, lemonade stands when I was a kid to duct tape wallets in middle school to... Um, I had a program in high school where I, and in college too, where I sold people's technology and like repurposed it and gave it to Oakland schools and stuff like that. Um, but now, uh, I guess it's, it's this, and, uh, I feel like I try and take everything with that entrepreneurial mindset and kind of like almost treat it as a business, even if it isn't a business, like that's kind of where my drive comes from, I guess. Interesting. We, we drifted a bit, but going Sorry. back to the... No, 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 no. Yeah, you're yeah. fine. That was me, but you're, you're connecting the dots well for me. Um, I go in chronological order most of the time, but going back to like how you came into college and that entrepreneurial mindset, when did that start for you? Like you mentioned right now in, in middle school and in high school and even into college, but where do you think that drive comes from? Is it something in your family or, or where does that come from? I guess I've always just, uh, I've always looked at it as like a means to an end. Like where are you going to find that job that's going to provide you a, a, a way to retire or something like that? And then what is that job? And then trying to find like steps to get there almost. Um, it's definitely instilled by my parents. Um, they're both very hardworking people. And I was like, I always looked at them as like a, a means of success and like, how can I get to be them? How can I afford a house? You know, how can I take those steps in life to set myself up? So very financially driven, I guess you would say. Interesting. Yeah. And you mentioned your stocks videos and the club yeah. that you started here. The club is, uh, the acronym is SAFE, right? Yeah. Safe. Okay. Yeah. So I, um, I've watched your videos and I noticed that that's how you started. And then you drifted a bit into the, the swimming uh, videos. But that's super interesting that you're that financially driven. Um, personally, that's not my situation, but I do like to start projects. You know, I'm, mm-hmm. I'm on not the financial side, but more on the creative side of entrepreneurial uh, endeavors. But yeah, that's, that's just me. Um, coming into college, um, you like how is the balance between your projects, academics, and then swimming? It always like kind of they always manage to mesh into like one another. If it's a if it's school and projects, it's like oh I can do a paper about my project uh, and then kind of just a full circle there. And then if it's my projects and swimming, it's like I, I'm one. I always feel like I'm an oversharer. Like I'll be like I'll just tell all my teammates. I'm, I remember my freshman year, I was like, hey, I have this project where I'm selling old technology. If you guys have any old laptops, and I feel like they were just like really supportive and just like, like, hey, I have this old laptop to sell, like sell it, get rid of it type thing. And uh, now they all really love the YouTube. I have another teammate who got me into YouTube actually, uh, Marcos. And uh, now we have another YouTuber on our team. And so it's really, it's, it's fun doing like this, this content loop and just sharing everything really. That's awesome how it ties together. And, and you're right. I mean, I, I don't know Marcos, but I have watched his YouTube as well. Yeah. Um, and it's so interesting how your team goes through that. So to start diving deeper into that, um, you talked about not getting into this until the pandemic pretty much. And you started the summer of 2021. Yeah, yeah. it was it wasn't until like a year later that I actually was like, all right, fine, I'm going to do this thing. Who got you into like YouTube in general or did Marcos get you into uh, swimming YouTube? 
No, uh, YouTube in general, I guess, was probably just myself. Like I said, I wanted to create those finance videos, uh, but I saw Marco's success in the swimming videos, and I was like, all right, I can do this too. Yeah. How did how was that start for you with uh, YouTube, like taking that next step of, all right, I'm going to start doing videos? Was Were you recording with your phone or, or with a camera? Like, what was that start like for you? Yeah, there was a lot of, like, steps forward and then steps backwards. So first, the person I went to was Marco. So I'm like, all right, what do you do? Like, what do you film on? What do you edit with? Uh, I don't know if you guys know, we have free software at, at Berkeley with Adobe, which costs like $900 a year otherwise. So super helpful. And, uh, and then he was like, I record on this camera. I have this microphone, XYZ. And then I just went out and got it. And then I didn't know what to do with it. And so I was filming on like this camera when I didn't realize that my iPhone had better quality. So there's steps forward, like I went and bought all this stuff. I have a podcast mic, I don't, I don't need a microphone. So I made all these steps forward, and then I was like, all right, I don't need the podcast mic. All right, my iPhone quality is better than my, my Canon camera. So I re really just went back to fil filming on my iPhone, um, and that's where I've gone with it, yeah. Interesting. Is that what you still do to this day? Yeah. Oh wow. Okay. Yeah, I, I don't realize even film on a camera or anything. Wow. Okay. I didn't. I didn't realize that. Um, that's super interesting. But I think that that's awesome, and it's a very important lesson to a lot of people. You know, I, I think that once you're focused on the quality of your work, the rest will will come by itself. Obviously, I mean the quality of your products is super helpful, but I don't think people realize. Yeah. how good an iPhone or any smartphone is nowadays. That's the front you know? camera too that it's on. So it's not even like the nice camera on the back. I was just like, uh, it was better than my than my uh, Canon camera. So I was like, I might as well just run with this now. No one, no one notices. Um, and then it's just so much easier. It's like so much more portable than having a camera. I can just whip it out whenever really. That's crazy. I would have never imagined that that was your I take a lot phone. of flack from Marcos on it for sure. Nice, nice. Yeah, I. Uh, so when I started out right now, there's two cameras, right? But when yeah. I started out, it was uh, this camera, my iPhone, and then a GoPro. And I could definitely tell the difference in quality. Oh, so really? That's, yeah, that's why I decided to go with these two. Um, but wow, that is that is very interesting. That's awesome because I would have never noticed really. Yeah, it just really shows that like anyone can do it. You know, if you have the passion and you and you have like like you said, just a little background, you can just hop up and just start talking and people will start listening eventually. Uh, I've just found the consistency helps. That's awesome. That's yeah. awesome. So you you get into that. Um, you start out with the financial videos. Obviously, like you said, it didn't have the same hit that your other videos are having right now. What was that process like for you? Were you getting frustrated? Were you learning? Or, or what was that experience like? I feel it. I feel like I had a really good uh, support team, I guess, of people around me being like, you know, keep going. Like, if this is what you really want to do, like, if this is your passion, keep doing it. And so, I mean, I had like probably a, a good amount of viewers, honestly, I'd say. I think, uh, let's see. I know I shared it on my social media and it was super awkward and uncomfortable for me to share it on my social media, but that brought in like a hundred viewers to me and uh, that was big and that's really what kept it going. The next one, like not as many people tuned in, I got 50 views, then 20 views, but I was still making progress and seeing that someone took the time out of their day to watch it, that made all the difference for me and kept me going, I guess. Yeah, I mean, just to, just to be clear, um, my comments on that isn't like, Oh, you don't have views. It was mostly n not enough views compared to where you're at today. Of course, but your stock videos still have more views than mine. So like, oh, it, no, it's, no. It's, st it's still very different. But I I can relate to that first 
video, you know, like when you share it on social media, of course, like the very first one, people are going to go straight to yeah. to watch it. Um, I share, I mean, I, I have it all on YouTube and, and Spotify, but most of my views will come either from Instagram or LinkedIn because I just post clips there. And I remember the first few clips, um, high numbers, high numbers, high numbers. And then, yeah, it starts, it starts to drop. But there is progress, you know, and I mm-hmm. think that it does keep you going because you realize like there, there is work there. Um, that's good that you had that support system. Again, I can relate to that. But when did you get to the point where it's like, you know what, I'm not going to do this anymore. I know you still have some yeah. uh, stock um, advice like reels <laughs> or TikToks, but on YouTube, when did you realize, you know what, like, let me change this? Um, let's see. I guess it had to have been in the fall of last year. I like filmed one of our dual meets that we went to down at Cal Poly and uh, it got sent all around the parent Facebook group, I think. And it got like a bunch of shares on Facebook, like the most random place to do it at. And uh, it was all linked to YouTube though. So that YouTube video got like 500 views or something for me. That was my most by far yet at all. So I was like, this is this is it and I, I after that I made the trials video and then after that I made a couple other videos talking about my life in the business school and those both flopped and I was like dang like these both got like 500 views and these got like 50 and so then after that I made a day in the life video and that one took off and got 200,000 views so after that that, that jump is just ridiculous yeah to me. like <laughs> it's how social media works but I remember um so before we had even like talked on LinkedIn, um, I I came across your Haas application video and I watched the first one because mm-hmm. um, I saw you did a second one last semester. And yeah, I, I watched it. And I was like, oh, cool. Um, and then a few months later, I see your day in the life and I'm like, how did these views just change? You know, like I, I remember when you first reached out on LinkedIn, I went into your channel and I'm checking it out and it's like, wow, like 700 subscribers, like good numbers. And then the next time I checked 7k and I was like, what is going (laughs) on? Like, that's insane. But what was that jump like? Like, I mean, obviously it's not overnight success because it's a lot of work leading up to it, but the result literally does come off as overnight success. So what was that going like from 500 views to 200,000 like for you? Yeah, it was super fun, actually. Like, it's really helped me, like, kind of make this more of a hobby because, like, I can see that people are enjoying my content and stuff like that. Uh, Let's see. I just remember waking up that next morning. Gosh, we were literally headed to our team travel trip. And I, like, woke up and I, like, texted Marcos. I was like, dude, one of my videos is just popping off right now. And then he's like, oh, I'll see it at the airport. So we get to the airport and it had just gone up so much more by then. I think it was got like 500 views in one hour. That was more than I'd ever gotten on any other video. And uh, yeah, it was just cool to see like literally as we're through that whole travel trip, it was just spiking. So it was fun. And uh, then I filmed the travel trip that we had there and then that did really well and just kept going and going and going. I think after that travel trip video though, I got monetized and that's where I was like, okay, I guess this is really a business venture now. Yeah. Taking a few steps back, um, what trip was was that? Yeah, that was our trip to Minnesota. So I filmed the Day in the Life one in the end of November as we were preparing for Minnesota. Um, So we were resting, which I'm sure we'll get into in a little bit. Um, And we were resting for that a little bit. And then we headed off to our Minnesota Invitational, which kind of leads into our Christmas break. And 
I posted the Minnesota Invitational like a week after, like during Christmas break. And uh, that one kind of caught on right at the end of the other video peaking. Yeah, so the, the Minnesota Invitational and then the Christmas one was the training during break, right? Okay. Yeah, I just made a random one-off video, which didn't really get a bunch of traction. So that was kind of good to like bring bring me back down. Like you got to make quality content over just consistency. Because yeah. a lot of people talk about, you know, consistency is key. Always be posting this, always be posting that. If you kind of want to blow up in the algorithm. Um, but it really comes down to making like quality, consistent content. Yeah, yeah. I mean, for me, I started posting in June of last year for mm-hmm. the podcast. Right now I have... 17 episodes posted oh, wow. and like a few monologues so give probably 23 total right okay. um but i reached a point of burnout mm. uh like what was it early this year i remember it i was it was the week of christmas and i was like grinding on videos and editing and making clips and it's like what am i doing you know like yeah. th- this isn't good and i realized that as well like the consistency thing I was shooting for post this many a week and do this and this and this. And I'm like, this is taking me nowhere. I think that the quality is, is what matters most. I mean, at one point, if it's my job, then cool. But right now it's not, and it's a hobby. And I think I've realized that I have to post things that I really like, you know, it's uh, I've gotten into comedy lately, like stand up comedy. And I heard of this rule that it's like only tell a joke if you think it's funny. Oh yeah. And it's it's the same thing with videos, you know, like only post if you really like it. If you don't, yeah. there's really no point, you know? I've made videos before where I was like, I wouldn't even watch this. Like, why should I post this? Yeah. But um, at the end of the day, um, I was just like, I posted some of those just because I'm like, well, I took all the time to do it. But like looking back, I was like, eh, I should have made it much better than this. Yeah. I, I mean, I don't really regret posting all of that like especially the clips i think some of the clips that i posted weren't as great of clips like mm-hmm. i posted maybe six to eight clips when i could have posted three and that was good enough you know but i think that that gave me a lot of practice yeah. as well which is good so maybe for you like it, it could be that you said you know what this video isn't as good as i thought it would be but you still practice your editing and that's what i don't think people realize you know like for me, it's, yeah, we're doing this, yeah. but we're also editing a lot and we're learning in the process, it's which fun. changes a lot. Yeah. Yeah. Yesterday, uh, I sat down and I was like, let's see how quickly I can do this video. Cause I was kind of experiencing like a little bit of burnout this past week. I'm done with swimming now. Like it's a big life change for me. And I just hadn't, didn't have the, the energy to go look back and like watch that video of me swimming like one last time and edit that. And uh, so yesterday I sat down and I was just like, all right, I'm going to see how quick I can get out this video. I spent all yesterday doing it. It took me like eight hours. But like people don't see that behind the scenes. It was like, it's like, oh, you just filmed it on his iPhone and whipped it together. And uh, yeah, so burnout's real. And I think we talked about it earlier via LinkedIn, actually, of just like getting 1% better each time getting 1% better at editing videos, getting 1% better in the pool, getting 1% better at each practice will make 100% better by the end of the year, you know? Yeah, and I love that. And I've been meaning to ask you this, actually. Um, And I've waited until we started recording. But how useful do you think it is that we're student athletes getting into this? Because I don't think there's many student athlete content creators. There are more nowadays. Yeah. 
many are on TikTok and it's like easy content to create and mm-hmm. you're not really editing it. Respect that. Everybody yeah. can do their own thing. But when I think of content creating, I think about what you're talking about, you know, like doing this, editing, taking not hours for, for the fun of it, but just because that's what it takes. Yeah. And I think that student athletes are a perfect fit for a job like this because we go from sucking at a sport to having to improve every single day yeah. and focus on the tiny details and the sleeping, the diet, the training, everything. And I think that that fits in quite perfectly for content creating, don't you think? Yeah, I think so. I think it's that drive that we have just to always like the pursuit of excellence. If you're not going to if you're not good at content creating at, you know, quote unquote good. If you can't edit, if you can't film, you want to get better at it. And like there's a drive in us to like I feel like just constantly improve and get better and hone our craft almost. So that's what I really like about it. Um, it it's kind of another outlet for me outside of sports to kind of you know, find what's perfect because there, there is a perfect, there's, it's a quantifiable, quantifiable metrics of like, does this tactic work in, um, in content creation? Yeah. Are you a perfectionist when it comes to that? No, not at all. Um, I know I, I, like I said, I've put out videos before, like, I'm like, oh, this video is not ready, but I got to get it up. I post every Sunday. Um, and so that's kind of where it, it, it's always trying to find what, what is perfect for now. Like, I spent eight hours yesterday and I hadn't done anything, but that video had to get up by middle of the afternoon. Like I like to post it early. Um, so then people can see like, Oh, there's a video coming out tomorrow and here's what it's about. Well, I'm, am I going to watch it or not? So I wanted to make sure I could finish it by 4 PM yesterday. So that was my goal. And, uh, yeah, it, it took a while for sure. That's the thing as well. Deadlines, you know, yeah. deadlines is just, it changes everything for, for a creator. Um, I'm, really into reading and writing um, and I follow a lot of authors I think that the modern author is a content creator they have to be you know yeah for sure you you're writing articles and now they it, it's it's amazing to me um, they write articles the articles come from their books and then they record videos about the articles that come from the books so they're really just selling the exact same work over and over again and taking different pieces so it's That's so an efficient way of looking at it yeah yeah it's so so efficient and and it works, but they have to post these YouTube videos. They have to have these Instagram reels and TikToks up yeah. because that's how people are going to find out about their books nowadays. I, I follow a good amount of authors and they do that. And for me, I've my favorite thing is writing, right? Like if I never got into videos, I'd be writing and I would be interviewing people and maybe just writing an article about that. In high school, I actually... I realized that this creative creative side existed when I got into the school newspaper. Mm-hmm. Just for like, I saw it and I'm like, that sounds really fun. And then I was the sports editor, um, and I was just interviewing the athletes that we like at our school and writing articles about it, editing, and and mm-hmm. and that was it. And I didn't really have that. Um, so around the time that I got into the podcast, I also started a, a blog for my team, which I haven't written in this this year, not academic year, but this okay. calendar year. I, I was saying that I realized that from the writing, I can make that same connection or, or from reading other yeah. pieces, I can bring things to talk about. And it's it's just amazing how it all connects. And especially, like you said, with that student athlete drive, yeah, creating those deadlines is just, it, it gives discipline to a creative mind. And that's where I think our student athlete life just fits in so perfectly with yeah. this. 
yeah, it, it's really interesting kind of seeing, um, you know, kind of going to the next phase of my life of like the job, job search and everything like that. People are looking for student athletes and it's fun. And it's, it's interesting to like tell them, be like, oh, I'm a student athlete. Like, uh, I believe I'm qualified for this job because I have the drive, the the skills that I've gotten, the the team and the leadership that you've gotten, the team aspect out of all of it. And like, these are great, great traits to carry into uh, your job search and everything else. And it applies to like any really hobby that you have throughout your life as well, I think. Yeah, yeah. Um, c- connecting with what you said about deadlines and you post every Sunday. Um, I saw that in your, your header for, for YouTube. Um, you mentioned the time. Um, how much are you controlled by the analytics or do you just observe them and then do your own thing? Oh man, this is interesting because like you can you can either feed into the YouTube analytics. I mean, YouTube Studio has got to be one of my most popular apps on my phone. Um, you can feed into it and be like, oh, my views are dropping. I just got to put something out just, just for the sake of putting it out. Um, and then, or you can just be like, Eh, it is what it is like earlier this week um i really wanted to get like a couple shorts out or something like that to kind of because i hadn't posted after pack 12s i wanted to just post a couple quick things but my girlfriend's dog ran away so i spent four days trying to find this dog i didn't go to class i didn't do anything yeah i skipped school and everything just to try and find this dog and uh it was actually like starting to get at me that I hadn't posted and I could see my views were dropping and dropping each day. Like it's, it's literally a downward slope, but I was like, uh, I got to find this dog. So you can either be controlled by the views and let the views control your life, or you can just live your life. And if the views come, they come. And that's kind of where I'm trying to go towards. Yeah. Yeah. That makes sense. I'm glad to hear about the dog. I saw your story the <laughs> other day that you found it at like 5:30 AM and I was like, wow, yeah. like you were really looking for this dog. Yeah. Um, but I'm glad that that worked out. Um, but yeah, I feel like we can be controlled, at least for me, like it's the insights on Instagram, you know, and it Mm -hmm. sounds stupid, but I do look at the insights and it's like, all right, I know my times are 12, three or six. Interesting. Like that is where it hits the most. And I know, for example, today, Sunday, um, it's 12 or six, three is the lower hour. And I, I have to post that way or, or yeah, that, that's just how it works for reels, especially, um, and it's, it kind of sucks because sometimes I'm just waiting for that time. Like today I'm waiting another four hours, four and a half hours for that 6 PM and I have really? to set an alarm and then I'll click post. Um, but other times it's like, you know what, if it feels right, mm-hmm. I'm just going to do it and yeah. whatever happens happens. But yeah, it's interesting. YouTube gives you like suggestions on when to post and, uh, yeah, like mine is Sunday. It says all my viewers are on on Sunday. So yeah, you can you can feed into the analytics in that sense, I guess, and uh, it is helpful. Yeah, Sunday is also my my best day. Um, like I said, not really on YouTube, but definitely on Instagram. Interesting. Um, and switching a bit, switching the topics a, a bit more. Um, we're we're talking about this past year pretty much with your uh, with your videos, but with your swimming career as well. Like tying into this, I have a. Another question that I've been meaning to ask you for for a long time. How did this end up working with your practices? Because it like for us, I cannot imagine coming up to practice with my camera and then recording and practice and things like that. And obviously your coach has a very big reputation. He's a great coach. 
Um, so what was that like? Did you ever have to talk to Coach Dave Jordan or, or <laughs> what was that situation like? Yeah, so I guess Marcos is the innovator in the space on our team. Uh, Marcos had done it, and our coach hadn't really like batted an eye at it. He was just like, oh, it's there. I don't really care. My coach is a huge anti-social media person. That's just who he is. He's he's all about letting the swimming do the talking for itself. You know, We have a tradition of excellence at Cal. And uh, he, he's not the person to try and go and recruit on using social media. That's kind of the tactic that a lot of programs are using these days uh, to pull their athletes in. And that's just not my coach. So I was like, oh, he's going to hate this. He's going to hate this. And then uh, he ended up like roasting me one day at practice and was like, I saw one of your videos. I actually really like it. But then like he like kind of made a joke about the whole thing. And I was like, oh, OK. And I just kind of used that as oh, he's seen my stuff. I'm, I'm going to bring my camera into practice next time and see what happens. And I put it in the corner and just didn't say anything. And then he saw the video and was like, dude, I didn't even know you were filming. Like, how did you just bring the camera into practice? And I was like, I'm sorry, do you want me to take it down? He's like, no, I love it. And so he actually kind of likes it. Um, but definitely there are times, like we talked about before the podcast, where it's like, all right, I'm going to Pac-12s. This is war, you know. You, this is it's a battle between us, Stanford, Arizona State, and every other one else who's in the Pac-12 swimming conference. So uh, it, it was kind of like time to put the camera away. So there's he knows that there's times to do it and times not to, um, and I think it's a great uh, recruiting tactic for the university as well. Yeah, I think I think it is changing in terms of recruiting. Um, I kind of understand this point, you know, like. Any swimmer knows your program is great. You don't need to use social media for that. But at the same time, like you've mentioned at the beginning, a lot of kids want to know what it's like, what the insides are like, what the experience is like. And it's it's a great form to just show them. Yeah, it's yeah. interesting. We had recruits in over the weekend. Yeah. And so I was only able to go plug in and hang out with them. I went and, and did a campus tour with them. But they were, I was like, oh, hi, nice to meet you guys. I'm Kyle. And they're like, oh, we met you. We watched your videos before we came on the trip to see if we would like Cal already. I was like... Okay, well, I hope you enjoy it here. Like, I hope it lives up to the, the hype I created in the video. I mean, I think, yeah, I started off by, by saying that when, when you came in. I feel like I know you because <laughs> of, uh, of your videos. And I've had some people tell me the same, like people that have watched a podcast. Because um, my, my viewers are pretty random. It really depends on the guest. Mm -hmm. um, in, in the sense of their friends are watching it or their family's watching it. And once I meet them, they're like, yeah, I mean, I, I watched you talk for like 30 minutes to an hour so I feel like I know you and it's like what yeah, yeah that makes sense makes sense yeah um that's super interesting I yeah I, I was thinking I I keep thinking to myself like you know what like the vlogs look cool I have no idea how I'd make this work and and for you guys I mean it's it's cool that that you've made it work and that you have that other teammates that are that are also doing it I know I mean you're graduating Marcos is graduating um, but you said there's a, a third, con I don't know his name. I saw it's Slavers the, on, yeah. on your video, but I don't know his name. Yeah. His name's Colby Mefford. Okay. He's, he's, uh, he's the sim same event as me, 200 backstroke and, uh, he's going to NCA. So he's going to have that precious NCA content that we've all been, uh, trying to get. That's awesome. That's awesome. Um, and as, uh, as the season progressed and your swimming was like, your swimming career is coming to an end, and you knew that, right? Yeah. Did that change your your focus in the videos? For example, something that I really, really admire about the vlogs um, is that they create memories. You know, be before I was in the same 
but as you just mentioned then at the beginning I don't want to share my life with people. Like, yeah. if you go through my Instagram now, before I, I would post more personal things, but I reached a point in the pandemic where I was like, you know what, like, there's no reason to be posting this or, or flashy things to just show, like, my life is perfect or something. Like, yeah. that's just me. Anybody can do whatever they want. Um, but I felt like there's no reason for me to post personal things or, or other people that don't really know me. That They don't need to be knowing about where I'm at or my family or mm-hmm. my personal relationships, et cetera. They, they just don't need to. So if you look at it now, it's literally clips. Yeah. My soccer team and stories that either align with the projects I've worked on or people that have helped me out in the projects like guests, like posting for their birthdays or my teammates' birthdays um, or, yeah, things like that. Other than that, I really just stopped posting. Yeah. the You actually changed the way I view vlogs now because I thought it was sharing a lot of personal experiences like taking people along in my life I don't like that Mm -hmm. but you made me realize that it's a great way to store memories yeah so the reasons I oh sorry uh one of the reasons I started it uh after having all the success with one of my first swimming videos I was like this is cool this will be when I look back and I'm like 10 years later when I'm 30 I'll be like, that's really cool. I remember going to that Cal Poly meet. Uh, that's really cool. I remember going on that travel trip. Like these are memories that I'll have for the rest of my life. And it's cool that other people get to experience them. But like you said, I really have a similar philosophy on Instagram. Like it's it's whatever I want to post. And if someone is going to bat an eye at it, like that's fine. But like my my life isn't completely gra- glamorous. So I, I do want to show the the other side of it. So I'm going to try and, you know, mix in some content into my Instagram because that's who I am. And if, if no one likes me vlogging, like that's their problem. You can go and follow me type thing. That's literally it. You know, I, when, when I started making videos, I was like, yeah, like the people that follow me don't follow me because of my videos. They just follow me because they, they, they you know, know it's, it's Instagram. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and I was like, you know what, I'm going to start posting and the unfollow button is right there. You know, like you don't need to follow me. Like I, I, Awesome if you do, right? I encourage people to do so, but at the same time, it's like, uh, it's fine if you don't. Like, uh, that's part of it. Um, yeah. I think that with the comments, for example, like, you can get very positive comments and that can affect you, and you can get negative comments and that can also affect you, but yeah. you just have to block it out. The same thing as sports, you know, you just have to yeah. focus on why you're doing it and, and let let it go. Um, but yeah, that that memory shift is, is awesome. Um and I was literally thinking about that when you, I saw it like the King of the Pool video that you just mentioned mm-hmm. or the Invitational at Minnesota um, or even your dual meets, you know, yeah. and, and the senior day that you recorded. And um, I actually did see that uh, your coach like the, called you like the famous YouTuber and things like that. He yeah. was messing with you. Um, all those things, like those are very nice memories to have. Mm-hmm. And it's definitely made me consider maybe not my personal life, but with my team, I think that those are just so, those memories are just so valuable not to store them because a picture only shows so much. A video is like everything about it, which is awesome. Yeah, it's been fun. And uh, I've started to see my teammates enjoy it as well. Um, And it's fun for them. Like I'll get texts from their parents and be like, thanks for including my kid in the most recent video. I'm like, dude, they just came up to me. Like it's fun. Uh, 
I enjoy it. I have some people that comment, they're like, oh man, you didn't put this person in the video. Like, I'm like, sorry, whatever. But uh, yeah, like you said, the comments can get a little crazy. How, how was it at first with your teammates? Oh, they didn't really like it at first. They were like, come on, get out of my face, Kyle. And now that way too many of us do it, uh, they're all trying to really feed into it. And they, they're like, this is our way of, you know, kind of having that social media presence. If we're not going to do Instagram, like we're going to find a way to recruit the best of the best to come to Cal. Yeah. And, and at first, I mean, at first I can kind of relate to it to it you know i mean the podcast doesn't really include my team at all yeah but at first they were like yeah that's pretty weird and now it's like they even mess with me about it and, and things like that which is fun um but did it ever like um did it ever make you feel like ah uh, like did it ever make you doubt your work is what i'm trying to say mm. I guess not. I feel like they've all been really supportive, honestly. Like, my roommates watch most of my videos. Like, they'll sit down on Sunday morning and go watch it before I get up. Like, they're, they're the best, honestly, I will say. Um, so, they've always been really supportive of it. They haven't always wanted to be in them, and more so now that they kind of do, because I guess they just enjoy it. But, um, yeah, it, it's I, it's interesting that you, you said you've never had any of your teammates on. I definitely thought you would have talked about, like, kind of the life as... Cal men's soccer and stuff like that but um yeah it's uh they do enjoy it a bit so I have had teammates here I've had three teammates but like what I'm trying to say is the podcast itself doesn't really include my team for example your vlogs have your whole team and what what you're you're doing the podcast is more of a personal story um so I've had three of them episode two for sure Christian Gomez he's Mm -hmm. a senior as well and he actually it's so sick. He did the artwork for the podcast. So the cover oh, really? is his. Yeah. So I, I wanted all of this to be like created by either me or people that I know. I didn't want to like buy anything. And Christian did the artwork. Um, oh, awesome. the, the beat is from my teammate Tate Dolan. Um, so yeah, things like that, that make it a lot of fun. And I've interviewed two other teammates just on their story, which is cool. But like you said, it's fun to include the team as well. Yeah. All my music's made by one of my teammates, teammates as well. Like one of our freshmen is a, is a producer and he loves doing that stuff. Yeah. My teammate Tate, um, he's moving in here next semester. Uh, and I asked him like, what do you do with with those beats and he's like yeah i mean i sometimes give them to friends or i'll just keep them and i'm like well let me yeah let me use one of those like that that'd be awesome because one it obviously helps me but two it like puts it out there you know because he's doing it as a hobby as well might as well show it off to to the other viewers as well yeah i think sharing your hobbies with the world this uh is so important and uh, others will see if they really enjoy it as well so i think that's something that's really cool about what we're doing is we're able to share publicly what what we're doing with our free time and then yeah and and kind of looping in our teammates in any way possible it makes it more fun for everyone yeah and and with your teammates do you have go-to teammates at this point to to record with if, if if I put Marcos in anything, it's gonna it's gonna be popular on YouTube. Marcos, uh, we've had like a YouTube war back and forth, and he was ahead first, and I passed him, and now we're just going back and forth. I think he's got the the leg up on me right now for sure, and uh, so anything with Marcos automatically gets the clicks. How is that competitiveness? Because obviously you're student athletes. We're both very competitive you're, for sure. You're on the same team. And then there's a YouTube aspect and you're already very competitive. So how's that experience been like? Because you said he got you 
into it or helped you get into he it. He got me into it for sure. And now there's Yeah, no, he he he's the he's the king. He was there before me and uh I'll I'll let him, you know, keep it keep it. Uh but he he produces some really high quality content, I will say. So it's hard to top. And he's an incredible swimmer in himself. Like he had probably one of the swim meets of his life, I think. And didn't uh, undoubtedly you could say he had the he won the Pac twelve championship and on the Met on our freestyle relay. So really cool to see and uh it was really fun to kind of just do this with him uh have someone there to support you like i'll text and be like hey how'd you do this edit or you know what are your thoughts on this type thing so it's fun to have someone there and then uh yeah it's been fun going through it all i'd say yeah it's it's awesome to see that because especially the competitive side to it although maybe it is a bit more friendly i think it's healthy you know you need to have someone not to like completely compare to but to improve your work definitely yeah. at least a mentor you know i mean and we have it in sports for exactly, sure exactly. so you know I, I swim with ryan murphy every day i'm a backstroker he's the olympic gold medalist in the backstrokes why not have a mentor in youtube i've reached out to other swimming youtubers even recently and uh i've kind of just trying to be like all right like there's a guy out there who's got like two hundred thousand subscribers on youtube and i messaged him i was like how did you get to where you are today? So having mentors in each of our spaces, whether it be work, sports, or YouTube, or whatever your hobby might be, um, is really important, I think. Yeah, exactly. You know, a crooked line can't be straightened unless compared to a ruler, you know? Interesting. And I think that that's the competitiveness that can be seen with Marcos, but also having having it with mentors. You know, your work right now can be a, crook, a crooked line. But having those mentors help you straighten it out a bit more and a bit more sure. as you continue crafting is is awesome. So that's great to see that, that competitive side. Um, in terms of other social media, you mentioned right now Instagram. You seem to be more focused on YouTube, but what do you, have you considered going to other social medias? Yeah, I, I do like uh, I try and spin some of my videos off onto TikTok and it, it doesn't really work all the time. So I'm going to try and try and find a balance for that. Um, you know, TikTok has like three minute videos now, but I don't think many people like to watch those at all. So it's it's interesting because I'm in the horizontal f- format and then TikTok's in the vertical and you and Instagram's whatever you want to make it. So um, trying to find little bits and pieces and kind of trying to share them, whether it's on a story or whether it's uh uh, it's a small post or something like that. It's been fun. Yeah, I was going to ask you, like, I know you posted for your senior day. Mm-hmm. Um, on YouTube, it's also, like, up as a hype video, but that it was just that intro. You posted yeah. it on Instagram. Like, if the video was, I don't know, 10 minutes, um, that first minute you yeah. posted on Instagram, would you consider doing that more? Like, having for those sure. clips? That's up? what I'm going to try and do moving forward of, like, the funny moments that we've had as teammates or something like that. Even if I have to go back and pull, pull stuff from videos of just like, like I said, I did this to kind of encapsulate what my senior year was like. And if I'm, I want to remember that. So even if it's just for myself to go back and pull like these fun memories, I'm definitely going to do that in the near future. Yeah. Like the, the way I see it is a 10 minute video is let's think about it as a pizza, right? And yeah. you cut it up into slices and a 10 minute video ends up becoming 10 videos that you can post on reels or TikToks sure. or, or whatever, you know? So I think it's, I mean, it's easy. It's an easy way to create more content and also having those funny moments or, or things like that. And you can just change the frame even on Adobe. Yeah. I also use Adobe to edit. Um, and that's just what I do. I change the, the frames and gotcha. yeah, pretty much it. But 
I, I mean, I think it'd be fun, be, especially now that Instagram is growing so much on the monetary yeah. side as well. Like I said, I have no experience with uh, monetizing, but... I, I saw they did uh, this thing recently where it's like a reels challenge. The more and more reels he posted, like the amount of thousands of views he got in it equated to like $10 or something like that. They're starting. Yeah. They're starting to. Yeah. I saw that. And then a few creators um, chosen by Instagram are already starting to test out like monetizing off of it. So hmm. I definitely see it growing a lot especially because from youtube they're taking the well they're not called igtvs anymore but they're taking those longer videos from tiktok they're making reels yeah. and they're trying to merge it into just one type of video and that's really going to change a Should lot be because it's a social media that has stories and then you can i mean dm and stuff like that and then you can still post videos that would so, be interesting, actually. Yeah, I, I'd start betting on it. And, I mean, if you have the content, might as well just spread it, you know? Yeah, for sure. For sure. Definitely gives a whole different aspect to, like, what your life is. If I if I saw, you know, if I'm following a, a sports article, a Steph Curry, if he did, a like, a vlog of his life, that's a completely different content than what he would normally be posting. But I'd take the time out of my day to go watch that instead of go, like, like one of his photos from... I don't know, uh, a random game that they want or something like that. It just seems more intimate and I'd be more inclined because that's just what I'm personally looking for in my content search. Exactly. Um, and talking about what you're personally looking for, how much do you think it's, how important do you think it is to look for that niche that just works for you? Because obviously the market is humongous. So you have to like, eh, not, not be so general like you have to be somewhat specific to things but it's taking to a specific niche maybe won't give you as many views but it will give you very loyal yeah, viewers sure. you know so do you have a balance in that at all or not really uh not really like i said i'm still even trying to play around with the stock stuff i do like you said i do once a month videos for my stock picks and stuff like that because that's that's still where my passion is um like, I love swimming, but like I told you, I, I like basketball more than swimming. So if I could do a basketball channel, like, that'd be really cool for me. Um, so I think it's it's important to talk about something that you're passionate about. I still love swimming. I'm really passionate about it. So, uh, but it's it's harder than, you know, for me talking about, about stocks. Like, I, I could talk about stocks and the financial literacy all day. Um, so I kind of try and merge my passion for the financial markets uh, on sharing my platform as well. Interesting, yeah, because I feel, again, I'm just getting to know you right now, but I feel like your niche is the financial side, but then your views are coming from, from swimming, swimming, and it's like, but I like basketball more, so that's that's a very interesting take. Yeah, I don't know, it, I, I'm going to definitely be expanding more. It, it's interesting seeing the business side of YouTube, and I'm I'm actually going to be expanding in the near future to talk about similar to what you're doing what what are other athletes doing and kind of like creating vlog style videos for other athletes so that's what i'm hoping to do in the near future because like i said i i love basketball i love football i love all other sports really so it'd be cool to see what their life is like through their lens yeah yeah that that would be pretty cool um to have those videos you know for for other people as well um in terms of I mean, we, we already talked about the analytics, but in terms of clickbait, I feel like your titles are so good, you know, like the, the titles you've made, but the day in the life is just a hit consistently. And you and Marcos yeah. have found ways to play with that into like most videos. And it just, 
I feel like it just goes up as soon as that happens. So when did you start doing that? Or for example, you mentioned right now your your teammate Ryan Murphy. Obviously, a lot of people know who that is, right? Yeah. Um, and training with him is great as a swimmer, but that's also like a big name to have on your videos. So yeah, um, or, or people even, were upset because he barely made it in that video. I got a lot of hate for that. He's in the thumbnail, like he said. Yeah, so it was the um, at the OTC, I yeah. think was that video. And you're like, yeah, swimming with, with Ryan Murphy. But he was, like you said, yeah, he wasn't in that video too much. So how do you play around with that? Yeah, like I remember I, I was just trying to think of like what would catch people's eye. And so I, I walked up to him. I was like, hey, can you take a photo with me? And he was like, yeah, sure. And we just took this photo. We had just gotten out of like a, of like a test set. So we had just both raced like I raced a 200 and 100 backstroke. So I'm absolutely dying up at the Olympic Training Center, low oxygen, and uh, we were both just absolutely ripped after because we were coming from a weight session as well. I was like, dude, we gotta get this photo. It'll be great clickbait. He's like, what is this for? I'm like, don't worry about it. We're just gonna take this photo. <laughs> um, and then I was like, hey, like I'll give you, like I, I was, he's like, okay, whatever. And then I was like, I wanna apologize. This is gonna be monetized. Can I buy you lunch or something like that after that? And he was like, no, you're fine. Um, and like you said that the clickbait just really ran with it from there. I think that's like one of my best viewed videos as well. Yeah. I mean, that video has a lot of views. Um, and, and you've played it well, I think, I mean, I had to do the same thing with your teammates, like, Oh, Olympian tips or things yeah. like that, or Olympic head coach. And, and I mean, you're not lying, right? It's, no, it's, it is a truth, but, but it's a very interesting way to play with those words. So yeah. Yeah, I admire that. I feel like I have to get better at that. I don't I don't know if I feel guilty at certain times, but at the same time I you're not lying. You yeah. Know? No, I mean, even when it's like my coach my coach made it in that video. Ryan Murphy made it in that video just briefly though. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's that's interesting. Um talking a bit more about your swimming. I mean, I saw in that video how intense it is at the Olympic Training Center. Um and you talked about resting, which is honestly like one of the questions that I've yeah. had in terms of swimming. We talked about it right now. So do you want to explain what the cycle <laughs> is like in, in terms of swimming? Yeah. So my coach being the head Olympic coach uh, in Tokyo this past summer, he looks at everything from like a four-year perspective. When's world championships? When's NCAAs? When's Olympic trials? When's the Olympics, basically? And then he narrows it in by each year and then there's multiple resting cycles throughout the year so ncaa's are in march so he has to taper taper is what the word is uh, it's basically resting um, where you rest for an extended period of time to make sure that your body's primed for so for me it's about four weeks like i have to rest a lot i have a hurt shoulder so i'm constantly resting throughout the year doing less than other people um, but then i also have to rest four weeks at the end of the year my roommate is a distance swimmer he basically goes and goes and goes all day and if his endurance isn't up he's not going to be able to rest so basically he had to he only rested for like a week and a half or something like that and he was he was great he swam perfect but it's just kind of like the resting cycles and looking at everything from a calendar year so they have to go compete at, at the end of april now so they're gonna do like another extended taper slash build them up really quickly after ncaa's at the end of march and then rest them again. Um, and then all of that, the calendar is different for Ryan Murphy than it is for Kyle Millis, you know? Um, so he has to manage pro swimming calendars um, and then college swimming calendars and then all the other alternating calendars that are in the year from dual meets to pro swim, 
pro swim meets to Olympic events and stuff like that. It's it's really weird. That's so interesting. And and what does resting look like? Yeah, um, resting looks like definitely it's it's all about doing less volume and less intensity. So you can do something in the weight room. I guess for example, my coach is like. That's fine if you lift a little bit more, but as long as you're only doing two reps instead of doing 10 reps or something like that, and you're coming down in volume, and it feels easier to move that weight, or it feels easier to swim in the water that day, um, transitioning over to swimming, it's like you're doing just less less yardage at the end of the day, going from 5K down to 3K down to, I mean, we probably don't get below 3K, but um, just doing less yardage really in the pool, and then less intensity, doing... Uh, on Saturday during our taper season, we have like races to kind of simulate what it was like, but we just do one pop a week on Saturdays. We'll put on racing suits and stuff like that. We'll go to the pool and we'll just do a hundred yards or something like that of racing. You'll warm up, you'll warm down as if it was basically a meet. So kind of trying to do one pop a week and then just bring the volume down everywhere else. Yeah. That's super interesting. Um, it's one of those things that I was definitely listening to on the commentating uh, for Pac-12s. Mm-hmm. Uh, that was the most recent meet. And they were talking about that a lot. And then resting for NCAAs. And, I mean, you mentioned that there's different teams that have different focuses. And yeah. some focus on their conference championship. Another focus on NCAAs. Yeah. And there's a lot of events coming up this summer as well. I mean, yeah. You mentioned Worlds. Isn't Worlds this summer as well? Yeah, the, the World Champ Trials are in April, and then the actual the actual World Champs is in May, I believe. So there's a lot coming up here in the swimming world, and uh, it's a lot of different rest cycles. Like, you know, we have some guys that are going to rest for NCAAs, but then their ultimate goal is to go make that team in March so they can go represent Team USA in May. That's a, that's a whole lot they're playing around with as far as rest goes, and uh, it's really interesting. Like, like I said, you probably heard it at Pac-12s. Our top tier guys, the Bjorn Seelgers, the Reeses of the world, they weren't rested at all. They got zero weeks of rest, and I got four weeks of rest. So it's super interesting what our coach is playing around with right now. And that's across the sport. Like, it's just very common in swimming. That's so interesting how strategic it has to be for, for the coaches. But yeah, I, I definitely did hear that. Um, and it's like another thing they mentioned is the, oh, they're not fully shaven, they're not well rested, things like that. But it's crazy having Pac-12s, and it's not belittling the event. No, um, yeah. Because, I mean, those guys still went out. You guys all <laughs> went out, you know? Um, like, Bjorn was swimming fast, but... I thought he was going to get somewhere of the meet. That was just... Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I I thought so, too. I haven't I haven't asked him um, about it. I will ask him... Not when I see him. When, when we record again, I'm going to have to ask him about that because that was a bit iffy. But hey, As long as he gets the NCAA Athlete of the Year, I think he'll be fine. Yeah. Um, but, but it's crazy. Like, Pac-12s, and that's not even their biggest focus. And then NCAAs, yeah. that's still not the biggest focus. And we, For some guys, yeah. Yeah. Like, that's, that's incredible. Obviously, everybody's at a different stage, but... Yeah. I think most of the guys on the collegiate team... They will tell you that the NCAs is their is their biggest focus, um, and there's there's guys that that know that they could make that world's team, but their main focus is still probably NCAs because we have a chance to win something really big, you know, for the school too. So it's awesome. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think everybody's gonna end up respecting NCAs regardless. But having, I I thought like. For me, I was thinking about the podcast, and I have a list of people from different winter sports that I want to interview, and I'm like, ah, oh, there's going to be way more time. 
and then I realized, nope, like trials are right away. And then, yeah. like you said, uh, the, the event's going to happen. So, yeah, that's super interesting. Another question I have is in terms of being fully shaven, what is that process like? Because, like, we don't have that. <laughs> I documented in my actually in my uh, my vlog that I put out this morning. I have literally me shaving. It's it's about an hour-long process. Back when I started, yeah, you shave your whole body. Like, my legs are really prickly right now. That's why I'm wearing pants. I absolutely hate it. It's the worst thing ever. But basically, you're not even trying to shave the hair off your body. What you're trying to get is the skin follicles that are the dead skin follicles that are on your body, off your body. Because then you, you, like, just feel like a fish, basically in the water you're way more smooth it's the greatest feeling ever but it's also the world's worst feeling ever when it has to grow back yeah that's that's so interesting because it must be such a long process but it does have a huge impact on your swimming yeah for sure it's it's really interesting you like you know, like you said you'll see like the commentators being like oh he's not shaven but it's like there's a lot more that goes into that resting process than just the shaving. Like some of my teammates are like, I could care less if I shave or not. Like I'll be fine. I'll be fast as long as I'm rested. What about the, the suits? The suits are a whole different thing. So the, uh, they're called technical swimsuits and, uh, they run you about three to $400 per tech suit. Yeah. And athletes can change these suits multiple times. Like I was only given one tech suit for pack 12s. For NCAs, I bet a guy like Reese will be given like four or five tech suits to make sure he has a brand new one for each race. They basically just repel water at the end of the day in its simplest form. And uh, they kind of blend well with your skin and, you know, they're tight in certain areas. So they help certain muscles and stuff like that get more float or get more uh, tightness if you need to have tight legs to kick fast type thing. It's weird. Yeah, I mean, I saw... Even at Pac-12s, I saw Ugo had to change his. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, he had to change his because he had a Spanish uh, swimming logo on his suit. I saw that. I saw the ESP, and it's so stupid that that was it. But, hey, it is what it is. The commentators were also like, what's going on? Like, there's we've no way. We've had problems with that in the past. With other, We've DQ'd other teams before. We DQ'd the University of Texas, our biggest competitor, because one of their guys wore a Team USA suit. Oh, wow. And so that goes back to Dave saw that. And he was just like, I'm not going to get DQ'd for something that we've preached throughout the NCAA to not wear these international suits, basically. No. Nothing wrong with it. It just doesn't represent the collegiate team, and it's against NCAA rules to have another federation, basically. You can have the big cow logo, but it's a big like Spanish swimming logo on it, so it's yeah. different. Yeah, um, but that's, that's interesting that, I mean, it makes sense now that you don't wear them as often because of how expensive they are, but for me, like... Like I was telling you, we go at it every single game. Yeah. Things don't change. It's not the rest. Like, we just play every single game the exact same way. But new cleats for, at all? Like, new cleats or anything for, like, big games? No? No. Interesting. No, no, no. We don't change anything. Like, I mean, you can if you want. There's, there's players on my team that have one pair of cleats. There's other players that, I mean, the guy that has the most cleats on my team probably has 20. Oh, wow. How many do you need? As long as they work, yeah. that's it. You know, I've kept my, I mean, I have a few pairs of cleats, but I don't really need more than one. The one thing you can change is um, the type of cleats. So there's firm ground and then there's soft ground. The soft ground is like metal studs. Mm. Um, so when the, the when it's raining, that's, that's when you'd use them. But besides that, the cleats itself, it's the exact same thing. So we don't switch it, but it was interesting to see that you guys are in your training gear for dual meets and then yeah. 
in the shift. Yeah, the, the shift. So, yeah, I guess it almost goes back to the clickbait of, like, we swam that meet against Stanford and we all wore tech suits. Yeah. That is the fastest dual meet that's ever occurred in NCAA history. Like, almost every pool record at Stanford was broken that day. So, yeah, it just makes such a difference wearing these, like, technical suits. Like, you feel it in the water, and it just makes all the difference, really. But at the end of the day, like, it is also a huge mindset shift. Like, it's not that we're better swimmers in that moment. It's just we feel better, so we're going to swim better. No, that, that makes a lot of sense. And even with with these questions that I have, I feel like this is just a thought I had right now, but you know, like for people like me that don't know the answers to these things, you could even explain it in mm -hmm. your vlogs or in videos like this and it, it could be very yeah. helpful. Yeah, that's definitely all coming up in the near future. We're going to do some like, what's the best tech suit to wear, or how to rest properly and stuff like that in the future. That's awesome. Yeah. Um, before getting into your future of content creation, you've mentioned a few times now that you've officially retired from the sport of swimming. Yeah. Um, and I think that you had a hell of a way to Appreciate have, it. You, have your last swim. Um, it was awesome seeing your your last swim. Uh, you want to take me through that and how your experience was at Pac-12s? Yeah. So this Pac-12s, uh, Pac-12s are generally held up in Federal Way, Washington, which is up outside of Seattle. Um, we were talking earlier. My family currently lives up in Seattle. Um, and that was the pool that really started all my success in high school. Um, I swam all my state high school championship meets there, won multiple state titles there. So that pool is really home for me. So to know that like going into the meet, like there was a chance that it was going to be my last swim meet ever. Um, basically, the only the top 30 people get selected for NCAAs um, in each respective stroke. Um, and this year, my event was just really fast. So top 30 was going to be really hard. Um, and so I went and swam a time trial on Wednesday night, went right on my best time. Nah, Friday, I skipped Thursday. Friday, I swam the 100 backstroke, was right on my best time again. Didn't really add or improve. But I think that's the one that you're talking about where I finished and I just like slapped the water. I knew that that was like the next morning. I was like, okay, if I didn't go best time here, I'm probably not going to go best time in the 200. I needed a best time in the 200 to go uh, to NCAAs and it just wasn't going to happen. So I was like, as soon as I saw I won my heat, I was like, oh, I'm going to celebrate. I have no more mo more of these moments left pretty much in the sport. So I just, I just like slapped the water. I was just so excited to just get that heat win. That was an ad. I added like a half second in that race. My teammates were like, you got us all so fired up. We could have sworn you like would have made NCAAs by the way you were reacting and everything. But yeah, it, w it was really fun having my parents there. My girlfriend was there and uh, yeah, it was a super fun way to end it. Yeah, so that's that's what I was going to mention. I I figured, uh, I asked if you were from Washington because I figured, you know what, you're at Federal Way. Um, and that was like your way of going out, which is just awesome. It's a full circle moment. And I was talking about that race when you slapped the water. And yeah, I had another 200 backstroke the next morning and I absolutely ate. I added like multiple seconds. So <laughs> we're not even going to get into that. Yeah, so for for like, from my perspective, um, the only live stream was the night events. So yes. the finals, and so that's that's the heat I, I watched. I didn't watch the prelims, but um, yeah, that that was awesome, and to see you so pumped, it it was, it yeah. was sick. So that's that's great. Um, you said you've retired now from swimming. Yeah. What's next? Not even content wise, athletically. 
for you? Like, do you see yourself doing anything for sure else, like to stay in shape or, or like taking on another challenge? I think that's something so interesting that we all have as athletes is like the need to be doing something like kind of taking a step back this week and realizing like, wow, I can just do nothing all day. And as long as I get my schoolwork done and I apply for a couple jobs, like I can just sit around the whole day and I have about a five hour void in my schedule every day where I'm like, I'd either be prepping for practice, I'd either be making food for practice, or I'd be three hours at practice, basically. So um, it's interesting, and there's definitely a void that I have to fill in my life, and I don't think it's just going to be content creation. So I think that in what I'm going to be doing moving forward is I really just want to get really good at like weightlifting. That was my favorite part of swimming this year was the weight room. Um, so if I can get really good at like weightlifting this spring and then transition that maybe back into like a master swimming environment, I do want to stay with the sport. I think it's one of the best ways to stay in shape really. And then if there's a dad's basketball league, that's, that's my long-term goal. That's awesome. That's awesome. But yeah, I, I've realized that as well, especially on breaks, Yeah. right? I'm just sitting around and it's like, wow, I'm getting a lot of training in but that's still maximum five to six hours of my day. And I have the rest of the day. And that's the same thing with pro athletes. You know, you add the traveling and things like that. But in reality, you have so much to do. And I feel like nowadays student athletes, like they need something. You're going to graduate and it's like, all right, you have a job, you're making content, but there's still that need to... to What's the athletic, what's your activity that you do? You know, what's your hobby, I guess, almost. Yeah, Yeah, that, that makes sense. Um, content wise, um, you re- like recently got into the, the swimming videos, um, the financial, I feel like you can always do yeah. on your own, but swimming wise, I mean, you've talked about a few plans. I'm not sure if you want to reveal anything, but is there like, what, what are you thinking moving forward? Yeah, I might as well, I guess. Uh, I've only talked to my roommates about it right now, but I might as well tell you. So basically, um, uh, moving forward, I'm going to continue doing swimming content, um, I've considered going and taking some content creation jobs around the swimming space or even around just the athletic space in general for my like full-time job next year. Just go be marketing or something like that. I think would be really cool for like, go be marketing at ESPN, go be marketing at like the Pac-12 network or something like that and do that content creation for them. I think would be really cool. Um, So I'm kind of leaning towards doing that as a full-time career. I thought I was going to go into finance, but um I guess my full plans would be to kind of have this Kyle Millis channel, have a full-time job, maybe where I'm doing content creation, maybe not. Um, I'm, it's either going to be that or marketing, I think. And then um, after that, I also want to, I'm going to be building out this channel called Day in the Life Athletics. Like you said, the Day in the Life tag just really worked for me. All my videos with that tag have all blown up. So I'm like, I really bet, like I was saying earlier, if you went, if I went and did a vlog about what do you do as a Cal men's soccer player? That'd be really cool for a lot of kids in the Bay Area or even nationally, internationally. What does a Cal men's soccer player do? What I want to get into is kind of like having athletes all throughout the country send me footage of what their vlog is. They can share their NIL deals in it. They can share their social medias to grow their socials. You know, maybe make a couple bucks if a viewer goes and purchases using their coupon code and stuff like that. And then they also have like a document of what their what their time in college was like. So just sharing all this to me via like Dropbox or something like that. Me promoting it on my platform and stuff like that. 
um, and kind of doing all the editing and the promotion work for them so they can just kind of reap the benefits and kind of get a great like video slash memory out of it that they can share on their own as well. That's so awesome. Yeah. yeah that's such a great idea. Um, and it fits into what you yeah want to do, right? Because it's there's a business and then there's your hobby. So that's perfect. Um, yeah. And even like Pac-12 Networks, I think that's super realistic. ESPN, that's also realistic. You know, I had... Um, episode i think 16 yeah it's episode 16 that. yeah with with lacy yonke uh she so i met her in high school she got into journalism made her way through college and now she's working at espn that's um, really cool yeah uh and it's it's realistic for student athletes nowadays and i think that with quality work it's definitely what they're looking for so in terms of content creation it's there um for lacy shout out lacy um yeah. her, her work is i mean amazing so obviously she was gonna land somewhere great but that's that's great to hear and i i hope that even if you do end up uh working full-time content creation that you do stick to your own channel you know because yeah i mean one it's a side gig that works for you but two it's cool like i i yeah. actually really like it and i enjoy watching it i'm kind of bummed that i didn't watch the <laughs> your video from today before we started recording every um, sunday at 7 a.m dude now I, now I know it's 7 a.m. No, I mean, I, I would have watched it. Um, I got up early, too, but I didn't know it was at 7 a.m. But, oh, well, I'll okay. watch it after, and, and, and that's it. But, um, yeah, bro, I think that's pretty much it. Is there anything I missed out on? Or anything? I guess I have a question for you. What's next for you? What's next for me? Dude, I have a while here. So my Enjoy it, though. It will fly by. I, I, people say it, and, like, to everyone listening, people say college will fly by. It does. I'm literally can still remember being a freshman in the dorms like it was yesterday. Same, same. Uh, the the issue with my career is I redshirted my freshman year. Okay. Then pandemic happened. Season, our season got canceled. And then when we came back in the spring, that doesn't count towards eligibility. Even if it did, I tore my meniscus early on wow. that season. So then I was out. That affected the fall season. Yeah. So now I'm barely getting into the rhythm of things, you know? So I have three years of eligibility left. I'm a junior right now. Mm -hmm. It's like, I would love to keep playing. I'm really happy being here. Like I, it, it's weird, but I feel like my time in college only started this academic year. Mm -hmm. Um, before that it was a shitty freshman year yeah. and then the pandemic year. So to me, I'm like, I'm considering a lot of things right now. I'm yeah. looking at the master's in journalism, which Very is cool. two years. Um, so, yeah, majoring in policy right now, then uh, going into that would be awesome because it ties into the work that I'm doing both written and then in videos and, and things like that. I'm For getting sure. into storytelling, which is the video I have with uh, Reese. Yeah. Um, and that's that's also a lot of fun. I'm, I'm shooting for one per month of that. Um, okay. And basically it's having the the visuals there but also um a script so i'm writing the script and yeah. then we're recording with these mics and i'll okay. just tie it in together on on adobe so i have the first one is from my roommate that used to live in this room actually he's episode one his name is tommy williamson and he got drafted number 12 overall um oh, wow and, yeah in the mls draft um 2021 so it's that video released it the exact same date a year later. And then the second one was celebrating black excellence with Reese Whitley and Maya Bordas. 
Um, and yeah, I'm working on the on the third one right now. But it's, it's things like that um, in terms of the the channel. I'm going to start picking it up again with the podcast. And we have a trip to Italy that was just confirmed. Um, our wow. team. Yeah, our team. We're going to go play a few games in Italy in I'll May. Vlog that. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> so that's why I was like. When I was watching your things, I was like, this is perfect for the memories, you know, like that's why I care so much for me. I mean, would it be cool? Yes. Would it be helpful? Yes. But I think that the memories is what matters most. So I think I'm going to that'll be my first test with with vlogging and I'll give it a go. But I think I'll do it mostly for the memories and just to have that experience captured for forever. Love it. Love it. That's me. That's me pretty much. I love it. Thank you so much. Well, thank you for, for coming on. Um, this has been a long time coming. Yeah. But I'd love to do this again sometime for soon sure. to see where everything's at, to see where your channels are at, your your work, your day in the vlogs, athletics, everything. I'd love to have you on there. <laughs> hey, would be great. Um, but yeah, it, it was great. I love that this was more of a conversation because it, it really is something that I was really looking forward to. So thank you. Thank you for everything. And to everyone that watched or listened, thank you guys so much. If you're on YouTube, please like and subscribe. It's great great content, guys. You got to (laughs) subscribe. Yes, please. Um, And on Spotify, you can follow this podcast. And yeah, oh, and on your, yeah, promote your your channels and your your social media. Yeah, just subscribe to Kyle Millis and Day in the Life Athletics on YouTube. And make sure to subscribe to Fur. There we go. There we go. All right. That's it for today. Thank you guys next time. I mean, I'll see you guys next time. Thank you. Thank you so much for listening to today's episode. Make sure to subscribe to my podcast and follow me on my personal social media accounts for more. All at Fer Andres. All links are in the description. If this episode inspired you in any way, please help me out by sharing it with a friend to help them leave their dent in the universe as well. That's it for today. I'll see you all next time.